From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. After a deadly attack on a nightclub in Colorado Springs, I'll ask Governor Jared Polis if he thinks of mass shootings as a particularly Colorado problem. Then, this was more than an attack on a bar. It's an assault on a place many in the LGBTQ community feel safe. For some, it can feel safer than home. Clubs are a really big, intricate part of allowing people to express who they are and explore things. Today, one story of how Club Q's influence went well beyond its walls. Then, the shooting coincided with Transgender Day of Remembrance. We risk our lives just by going out and being our our true, authentic selves. It's scary out there in the real world. Perspective from a trans woman in Colorado Springs. Thank you for supporting CPR. Every day, your membership is put to good work serving communities across our state. You ensure that news and music remain freely available to Coloradans everywhere. Your generosity helps make it all possible. You're with Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. This is usually a time for friends and families to be together. But less than a week before Thanksgiving, lives are torn apart. Over the weekend in Colorado Springs, a shooter killed five people and hurt many others at Club Q. Shortly, we'll discuss how much the club means to people, especially in the LGBTQ community. First, Coloradans are left to grapple with gun violence happening once again in their backyards. Let's hear how Governor Jared Polis is thinking about this. Governor, thanks for being with us. I wish it was under better circumstances, Ryan. I agree. According to the Gun Violence Archive, this was the 602nd mass shooting in the United States this year. Do you think of this as a Colorado problem, as an American problem? Uh, it's it's both. We've been no, no stranger to tragedy here, whether it was the recent STEM school shooting, uh, the King Super shooting in Boulder, or, or now this. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, as we learn the particulars of, of what led to this and, and we get into the motivation, uh, I think one thing that we can take away is that we need to better use the red flag law that we have on the books, the ability to temporarily remove custody of weapons from somebody who's in a dangerous state. Uh, and this particular perpetrator, it's already been reported, had, had been involved in an incident threatening to bomb uh, homes uh, just a year or two ago. That's right. So the alleged shooter who is alive appears to have had this previous run-in with law enforcement. Last year, a man by the same name and age was booked into the El Paso County Jail after threatening his mother with homemade bombs, multiple weapons. So it sounds like to me you have concerns that Colorado's red flag law may not be used as much as it could be. I I think it needs to be... um, um, really evangelized more and talked about more. I, I think that while it has been used a couple hundred times, uh, I think that not everybody knows that it's on the books. We also have very disparate records of utilizing it from different county sheriffs. Some county sheriffs use it. Uh, it was supported and utilized by Republican Sheriff Spurlock in Douglas County, but the El Paso County Sheriff uh, has has not really used it as widely. So I think everybody should look at their practices and say, hey, if there's somebody that we feel is dangerous, 
um, that there's not enough to, you know, take them in and hold them on a criminal charge. Can we at least remove access to their weapons? There is a way to do that under Colorado law. And I want to make sure people are aware of that and know that. You are quarantining till midweek with COVID. I hope you're feeling okay. Um, Have you been able to speak with any of the families yet? Thank you, Ryan. I, uh, I'm still testing positive for COVID. I will be able to uh, see others Wednesday. The last thing I want to do is spread this to, to others now that I have it. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm thankfully, it's asymptomatic. It's made its way through our family. Our kids were sick for a day. They're, they're, we're all in the clear now, but thank you for asking. Uh, yesterday, I was part of a, um, virtually, of course, a memorial service at the uh, Unitarian Universalist Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, they were kind enough to include my, my video feed. Uh, I was able to speak to a club goer that was there. Uh, I expect to be able to speak to the uh, the families um, of those who uh, lost their loved ones uh, over the next day or two as well. Uh, your staff tells me that you once attended, I think it was like a political event at Club Q. Any? I have been there, yeah. yeah I, I did stop by there for a, a happy hour event. I haven't uh, been out there at night. Um, it would, 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 um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I certainly know the club owners, Nick and Matthew, and and um, I did tell them uh, when I spoke to them yesterday morning that when they when they reopen, I would I would be happy to be on hand and, and join them mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate the resilience that will will come out of this. But now it's really a time for uh, reflection on the tragedy, for the mourning, the loss. Uh, and, and really making sure we're there for our fellow community members. Uh, I wanted to highlight uh, for those who might want to donate, uh, coloradohealingfund.org. So coloradohealingfund.org uh, will make sure that the needs of the victims and families and community members are met uh, for those who would like to go help a little bit more. There are also more local fundraisers, and we've compiled some of those at CPR.org. Uh, Governor Paulus, do you consider this terrorism? Well, look, no matter what you call it, it's a horrific tragedy. And, um, you know, I, I think we don't really know the motives yet. We don't know if this was a planned attack on the LGBT community. We don't know if it was simply uh, an act of a deranged individual. Um, we will find out. Um, the suspect is apprehended. Uh, people always want to find meaning, right? We're still trying to find meaning in a King Super shoot, uh, you know, to you know, over a year later. Uh, we never get all the answers we want because at the end of the day, there's no rational explanation explanation for this kind of horrific event. Uh, but I think what we really need to do is, is take that, that pit in all of our stomachs and, and just sort of show the love to those around us, obviously in the Colorado Springs community, in the LGBT community, uh, and just make sure that, that those who are feeling traumatized know that we're there for them. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Take care. Governor Jared Polis on this weekend's mass shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs. We are hearing over and over again that Club Q is more than a bar, more than a dance floor, more than a stage, and that its influence went well beyond its walls. Gerard Gray has a story to share. He was born and raised in Colorado Springs, attended UCCS in the early 2000s. He lives in Denver now. Gerard, thank you for being with us. Of course. Tell me what Club Q means to you. It was my home, pretty much, growing up um, in Colorado Springs. I went to college there in my late teens and early 20s. You know, I went to Club Q quite a lot. But there was a really difficult time at UCCS when I first started going there my freshman year. 
the student body president didn't want to give funding to Spectrum, the LGBT student union on campus for National Coming Out Day. And Club Q came out swinging for the students of UCCS and for the LGBT community. And that means a lot. And, you know, they really made it a home for students at UCCS that didn't have other places to go. So that club ended up, what, thriving and getting funding? What happened? We did end up eventually getting funding, but Club Q, you know, the following year, we decided to go all out for a national coming out day. Um, And Club Q decided to fund that event essentially for free, giving us drag queens to help, you know, for performances and having entertainment, live entertainment. Um, And they also were very intricate in giving students a place to go to, right? You know, they allowed students to come to free to the club for a little while um, while we're going through that difficult time and not receiving more support from the student government. I think what I'm hearing from you is that Club Q is much more than a bar and its reach, its influence extends far beyond its walls. Do you think that's true? Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely true. They're an intricate part of the community. Um, and they not only were, you know, a part of the UCCS community, um, they were woven into the fabric of the Colorado Springs Pride Center at the time. They obviously do a lot, you know, for Pride Fest, um, even though there's some separate, you know, stuff going on with that now. But, you know, at the time when I was going to college there, Club Q was the staple for the LGBT community. You know, I think about the fact that uh, in this country, the modern day gay rights movement started at a bar in New York. And I, I wonder if you've reflected on that at all uh, in light of this attack. Yeah, definitely. Um, it brings it home. You know, you never think like this would happen to you, that it would happen in your community, somewhere maybe where you grew up at. And after it happened in Florida during the Pulse nightclub shooting, never really thought, you know, it's going to happen in my hometown. And it did. And going back to the Stonewall riots in New York and, you know, all of that history there, it really shows how much clubs are a big, intricate part of the LGBT community and allow for a lot of kids. When you're growing up in high school, you're living with your parents, you know, you don't really get to express all the time who you are. In some, you know, homes, people do allow for their kids to express who they are, but that wasn't always the case and isn't always the case. And um, clubs are a really big, intricate part of allowing people to express who they are and explore things. Mm-hmm. What was it like to grow up gay and black in Colorado Springs? Difficult, difficult. My family was definitely involved in the church and the religious community there. So definitely struggled with my sexuality and who I was and who I am and found it really hard to come out to a lot of my family. Certain, you know, people in my family, my sisters, I could come out to easily. But my grandparents who lived there in Colorado Springs, it wasn't easy to come out to them. My grandma was my, you know, Sunday school teacher and that definitely made it hard. And I went to church in Colorado Springs, you know, with with her. And if people know about Colorado Springs, there's a lot of history with the churches there and a lot of history with it being a very, looked at as a very religious community. Um, So it was definitely not easy growing up in Colorado Springs. Something of an evangelical epicenter, really. Yeah, definitely. I I wonder if you might have shared this experience that I had 
um, Sunday, which was to get a, a whole bunch of texts from loved ones wondering if you were okay, wondering if you were there. Yeah, I did. I got a lot of texts. Um, one of my friends that actually lives in Colorado Springs, not far away from the club, texted me really late at night. Um, so I did see it pretty early in the morning when I woke up to that text. And yeah, throughout the morning, continue to get texts and phone calls, messages from people that I went to school with, you know, wondering, you know, are you okay? Because Colorado Springs is still my home. I still have a lot of friends there. I have family there. So I still go back frequently. So, you know, on the off chance, I could have been there. Um, Gerard, could you maybe paint a picture of what Club Q is like? What is it like to be inside? Yeah, there's so much energy going into Club Q, um, you know, bright and vibrant, a lot of love. People are always welcoming when you come in. You know, when you get to a club, one of the first people you speak to is going to be the ticket person or, you know, maybe the bouncer at the club. But they're always friendly, welcoming, having smiles on their face. Um, and it, it's also just a wonderful place to go and get entertained. There's fabulous drag queens there um, and drag kings and just a wonderful community. And they're always loving people. And even if you come in as someone that's new, you don't necessarily look like you have friends, you're going to find a friend in that club to you. I wonder if you've given thought to some of the recent language around the LGBTQ community and how you think it may create an environment that makes people less safe. Yeah, I have given some thought to that. Um, And I think that the rhetoric that is being used has been dangerous. And it obviously, we don't know the exact motives quite yet, I believe. But, you know, obviously, a lot of us are thinking about the language that some of the politicians even here that represent Colorado have been using, the way that that affects people, it affects their psyche, especially young people growing up. Um, and it could lead to things like this. And I think people have to be very careful with what they say and how they use their words and the rhetoric they use. And I think that it's important that we're all being inclusive and all being loving to each other instead of being hateful and discriminatory. Gerard, I don't know if Um, Gay bars are a part of your present or merely a part of your past, but um, would you think twice now about returning to one? Yeah, I would think, definitely think twice now about it. Um, They are part of my present. Um, I don't go quite as frequently as I used to, as I did in my younger days, but me and some friends have recently been talking about getting back out there. You know, the holidays are here and during the holidays, you know, New Year's is right around the corner. You know, those are things that I'm going to be thinking about and weighing heavily with my partner on whether or not we want to go out to the club. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Gerard Gray was born and raised in Colorado Springs, reflecting on this weekend's mass shooting at Club Q. A number of you shared your memories of the venue. O.B. Oberdeer of Lakewood writes, It was the first gay bar I ever went to, the first place I ever danced with my shirt off, the place I met some of my best friends, the place I went for my birthday a few years ago. I have so many memories of this beautiful place. I'm absolutely gutted right now. Tyler Vertivec recalls, I would frequent there daily after working, waiting tables and then worked there for a short time and met my boyfriend of four years there, dancing on the dance floor. Sheena Ancotti says, It was the safe haven for queer folks in the middle of a very conservative city. I was thankful for Club Q as a place to wind down after Colorado Springs Pride events. 
Tiffany Luna of Colorado Springs adds, Club Q was the first place I ever felt accepted, the first place I ever felt home, like I belonged, like I fit. My heart is broken. And finally, Becca Stevens tells us, it was one of the very few places that are safe for the queer community to be ourselves, to relax and have fun. A huge loss in a city filled with Christian organizations like Focus on the Family, who advocate against LGBTQ plus rights, and a striking blow for those of us who felt, just maybe, things were changing. When we come back, the latest on the investigation. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. Her ability to Google is going to figure out some big global conspiracy. So many issues have wedged families apart the last few years. Personal, political, a global pandemic. I haven't wanted to ask if you were going to get vaccinated because I couldn't live with the terror that brings in me. How one mother and daughter unwedged the issues that divided them. Colorado Public Radio presents The Wedge, everywhere you get your podcasts. It's Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner. Let's get an update now on the investigation into the mass shooting at Club Q over the weekend in Colorado Springs. Five people were killed, 25 were hurt, many more certainly traumatized. CPR's Southern Colorado reporter Dan Boyce joins us. Hi, Dan. Uh, Good morning, Ryan. Both the Colorado Springs police chief and mayor have said at least two people inside the club confronted and fought with the suspect. What what can you tell us about the timeline? Yeah, it really does bear repeating just because of how fast everything happened. So uh, police chief Adrian Vasquez says the suspect entered Club Q Saturday night and had multiple firearms but began shooting people with a long rifle. Police got the first 911 call at uh, 11.56, just before 11.57, and the first officer arrived uh, under four minutes later, and the suspect was in custody just two minutes after that. So this all happened just so fast. And uh, here's Colorado Springs Mayor John Southers commenting on the, the, the folks who took down the gunman. We know one or more patrons heroically intervened to subdue the suspect. And we praise those individuals who did so because their actions clearly saved lives. So far, we don't know the names of those who intervened. What about the names of any of the people who lost their lives then? At this point, officials haven't really uh, released any names. Another thing I wanted to point out, uh, Mayor Southers also said just in as far as that altercation that one of the individuals actually took, uh, yeah, mayors told CNN this, took a handgun from the suspect and hit him with it. And that's how that fight was. And it's just remarkable. So uh, we don't know any names 
officially outside of uh, CPR's justice reporter Allison Cherry spoke with the parents of 28-year-old Daniel Aston, who was a trans man killed at the club, was a bartender and was also performing that night. Um, Aston's parents say he loved 80s music and hats, and he moved to Colorado Springs two years ago at his parents' prompting. He's just happiest he's ever been, and just thriving and having fun, having friends, and it's just unbelievable, you know. He had so much more life to give, you know, and uh, to us and to all his friends and to himself. Daniel's mother, Sabrina there, she and his father said they wanted to speak out about what happened to their son to bring more exposure and acceptance about the transgender community. And what about those who were hurt, Dan? Can we say anything about them yet? Uh, officials have still, they've not released any names. Mayor Southers also told CNN that 19 of the people injured, so say 19 of the 25 we know who were injured, were injured with gunshot wounds. Okay. Uh, let's talk briefly about the suspect. He is also in the hospital in police custody. Uh, we're told separated from the others. and We're not sure which hospital, but what, what do we know about the suspect? 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich. Police say he was hospitalized because of that fight with the club patrons who stopped him. We don't know the extent of his injuries, and because of that altercation, police did not shoot him. And, and yeah, like you say, they, they're not saying which hospital he's currently in. As we've mentioned, um, this may not be his first run-in with law enforcement, then. Yeah, you were just speaking about this with Governor Polis. So there have been multiple news organizations who have jumped to the conclusion that this is the same man who was booked into uh, the El Paso County jail last year uh, because that individual had the same exact name and age. He threatened his mother with homemade bombs and other weapons. Uh, We have not heard, or rather the uh, officials, authorities have not confirmed that this is indeed the same man. Uh, But of course, we're we're still waiting to hear that. And what we can tell you is that this man, Anderson Lee Aldrich, does not have any public criminal record, according to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. And, you know, I think early on... After mass shootings, there is such a hunger to know what someone's motive was. Um, and as the governor alluded to, that does not immediately come out and it may never come out. Right. And uh, I think it's it is probably, you know, they, they, they clearly they, they want to be wise in how they speak about this because we do not know a motive a motive for sure police say they're certainly investigating whether this attack was a hate crime but it that is not known specifically yet club q did post this message on its website they say quote we thank the quick reactions of heroic customers that subdued the gunman and ended this hate attack so th- they are jumping uh, to that conclusion you stopped by Club Q this morning. What did you see? At this point, uh, what you immediately notice is the is the place is, is thronged with television crews, lights and cameras everywhere. Uh, there is a, a makeshift memorial that stretches along the grass and sidewalk for maybe 100 feet and, you know, has 
candles burning and flowers and signs and colorful stuffed animals. Um, it, this all is still a good distance from the club itself, which is still far behind police tape. Uh, and then also on its website, Club Q says that the club is and, uh, is closed until further notice. Dan, thank you so much. I know you've been up for quite a while covering this story, which we'll continue to do on all of our channels on the radio and at CPR.org, our social platforms as well. Thank you for this update. Uh, sure, Ryan, anytime. CPR Southern Colorado reporter Dan Boyce. On Sunday, the sermon at Pikes Peak Metropolitan Community Church was not the one the pastor had planned. Alicia Erickson rewrote it, given the attack. Many in her flock are LGBTQ, shunned from more conservative houses of worship in the Springs. Let's listen to Erickson's words to her congregation. We had something else entirely planned for today. Today was supposed to be a celebration Sunday, celebrating who our church is and who our church is being called to become in our community. Pikes Peak MCC has been here since 1979 in the Springs. Uh, We were founded by people of the LGBTQ community and their allies because so many people are rejected by their families, by their communities of faith. And we have, since 1979, been that sanctuary for people of all gender identities and sexual orientations. So the balloons, that was all part of our celebration. It's obviously not... um, We're not celebrating anything today. Today we are mourning the loss of those who were killed last night at Club Q and all of those who were injured by the shooting. And um, as we prepare for our time to be together, our time of worship, I would like to simply pause for a moment of silence as we lift up all of those who died last night, those who were injured, those whose lives will forever be marked by the before and the after of the shooting at Club Q. Let us take a moment of silence. Friends, this is a very difficult morning for many of us. And everyone in our community has been touched by anti-gay, anti-trans, by the variety of ways that our culture is homophobic, transphobic, all of those things. And I know many of you come here today carrying the trauma of those experiences that you've had before. So what I want to say to each of you today, 
Do what you need to do for you. If you need to cry, if you need to walk out, if you need prayer after the service, there is no right or wrong way to be feeling right now. We are going to be all over the place. Our own feeling of safety has been changed by this, of course. So do what you need to do to take care of yourselves today and in the days moving forward. Child of God. The Sunday Sermon from Pastor Alicia Erickson of Pikes Peak Metropolitan Community Church. And Colorado Matters continues into the next half hour. The Club Q shooting coincided with Transgender Day of Remembrance. I'm Ryan Warner, you're with CPR News and KRCC. I don't speak Spanish when I go um, to the panderia to get snacks. They speak to me in, in Spanish. In the first season of Quien Are We, you heard from a whole lot of people about their passions, relationships. I was so happy. I was so impressed with you. And, you and maybe you heard yourself in their stories. And then I'm not even going to lie to you. One time me and Sam were like, was, you know, let's break out the huevo. Let's maybe somebody gave him evil eyes. The first season of Quien Are We, everywhere you listen. You're back with Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. Sunday was Transgender Day of Remembrance, and we know at least one of the victims in the Club Q attack was trans. On Sunday, I reached Lauren Hogan of Colorado Springs, who started a support group called Trans Figures. Thank you for making the time to speak with me. Of course. Is the Day of Remembrance something that's on your radar? Is it something that's meaningful to you? It is, yes, very much so. Um, being a trans woman um, and in the trans community is very much meaningful for me, yes. You know, this idea of remembrance is a reflection of how, well, frankly, dangerous it can be to be trans. Uh, tell me what this day means to you. Um, it means that, you know, we remember those that have, have lost their lives for being our, our authentic selves. You know, we risk our lives when we go out our, uh, outside our door every day. Just by going to the grocery store or going to pick up our kids at school or by going out and having having a good time like last night, you know. I think of the fact that trans people are not only subject to more violence, but they also face a much higher suicide rate, in part because of how they are perceived and treated. And so the the risks really feel like they're everywhere. Do you think that's true? That is very true, yes. Um, and I'm not afraid to admit I've attempted suicide a couple of times in my life over being transgender myself, yes. Um, it's it's a very high higher risk than a normal cisgendered person just for the simple fact that, you know, we've got the dysphoria or the dys- dysmorphia of of who we are. 
you know, and it, it's a very, very real fact that we do suffer from greater risk of, of suicide and, you know, outside factors that a normal cis person does not. Um, and it's an everyday, everyday risk. Yes. Have you been subjected to violence yourself? You talked about um, suicide there. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, it's a vulnerable thing to share. Um, have you been subject to threats and to violence yourself? Not outside, like in public, no, I have not. But I have been threatened online. I've actually been threatened with my life on on social media, or I've had to actually have the FBI get involved with threats against me, against my 17-year-old daughter, never actually out in, in public or anything like that, no. But online, yes. And you have a visible presence online because of the group you lead. Is this a subject of discussion when the folks meet in your group transfigures? We do discuss it, you know, that there is a need for protection for us. There is a lack of protection for transgender individuals. You know, there's so much, I want to say hate, but there's so much anti- LGBT legislation that's trying to be passed against us, especially with with Republicans now, um, you know, trying to pass all these bills. I mean, look at Florida, for example. I mean, they just passed, you know, all these all these bills in Florida for you know, especially youth. We're just trying to be our, ourselves. I mean, what's what's wrong with that? You know, I don't I don't see what what the big deal is. We're just trying to be ourselves. You know, and there's so much hate against us that there there needs to be much more representation for us and much more acceptance for us. All we're trying to be is is us. Lauren, I, I note that you posted to social media, marking myself safe from the shooting that happened at Club Q here in Colorado Springs tonight. My heart goes out to the victims and their families. I was home safe and secure. Love to everyone. Um, I gather then that you had heard from people wondering if you were safe. Yes, I had. I had friends that were asking me if I was safe. I had friends from all across the states asking if I was safe. Um, I had friends on TikTok asking me if I was safe. Um, And I wanted to post in case my parents were wondering, you know, if I was safe. And, you know, so, yeah. What, What does Club Q mean to you, if anything? I've only been a couple times, to be honest with you. You know, I'm not a very big club person. You know, I'm, I'm in my late 40s, so I'm not a big party goer anymore. But, you know, I've I've been a few times, and it was a place that I know younger people went to that felt like it was a place that they could go and hang out and have a good time, a place that at the time I felt they could be safe and felt they could be themselves and without worry of, persecution or of any any hate or anything you know and last night just proved everything wrong to me back to the notion of transgender day of remembrance uh started in 1999 by an advocate by the name of gwendolyn ann smith and it was to honor the memory of rita hester a transgender woman who was killed in 1998 is there a ritual that you engage in, or if it's a moment of silence, or perhaps someone you think of when Transgender Day of Remembrance comes around? 
Um, I do take a moment of silence usually, you know, three to five minutes and just think about all the, the trans brothers and sisters that we've lost over the year and over the past. This year it's going to hit a little bit closer because of, of what happened last night, you know, and it's, it's just it's just a very sad day, really. It hits a lot, a lot closer to home considering I live in the Springs. Earlier you talked about what it means to live as your authentic self and just to leave the house. Are there days you don't want to leave the house? Are there days when the armor that it feels like you have to put on emotionally, um, you, you, like you just don't have it? Um, no, I, I don't let that bother me so much, to be honest with you. Um, I know there's a lot of people that it does affect, but to me, myself, I try not to let it affect me. Where does that come from, that kind of grit or that ability, do you think? I don't know, to be honest with you. I just, I try not to let it bother me. You know, I try not to let it affect me because I know if it affects me, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get on with my daily life. You know, I'm not a small person, you know, I'm not a petite woman, I guess you would say. You know, I'm, I'm 6'3", so I try not to let things bother me. And if, if people look at me strange or give me dirty looks, I just, I don't really care. I don't give people a second look. I just go on in my daily business. And if people don't like me, oh well, really. If someone is listening to this conversation uh, who may believe that they are trans, who are trans... I suppose of any age, but have not come to terms with that or are um, seeking connection, what would your advice be to them, Lauren? Don't be afraid to be yourself. There's help out there if you need it. You know, seek therapy if you need it. We're all here for you. We've all been there. Just look us up. We'll be more than happy to talk to you, even if it's just to, to listen to you. We're always there. Anybody's out there to help. Basically, that's all I can say is just, you know, baby steps, baby steps, and, and don't be afraid. I hear you saying you're not alone. Exactly. Thanks for being with us. Of course. My pleasure. Lauren Hogan started Transfigures to support people who are transgender in the Colorado Springs area. Remember that if you are in crisis, there is always help at the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 988. You'll find more of our coverage of the Club Q shooting at CPR.org. This is Colorado Matters. You may think of Colorado as the place where the deer and the antelope play, but the American antelope is not an antelope at all. It's the pronghorn, whose closest relative is the giraffe. Pronghorn have white bands across the throat, white fur on the rump and belly, and forked horns they shed every year. You may see them in wide open spaces across Colorado, or you may not, because pronghorn are fast, sprinting at more than 50 miles an hour. The world's second fastest land animal, they're built for speed. Light bones, hollow hair, and for cardiovascular superiority, a large windpipe, heart, and lungs. They are not, however, faster than a speeding bullet. Hunters once sold them by the wagon load, and by the 1940s, they were nearly extinct. But thanks to wildlife management, today more than 70,000 pronghorn roam the American West. A Colorado postcard from CPR with the support of Sheets and Giggles. 
This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner. A potluck of 80 people took place in Denver City Park on a recent afternoon. It is one man's effort to end isolation through food and conversation. CPR's Elaine Tassi reports. I have a tamale. I have lentil and squash salad. I have some butter chicken, Brussels sprouts. That's Carrie, one of the organizers. She's with about seven dozen other people. Everyone brought enough food for six to eight. In some ways, it's a regular potluck. Oh, I'm trying to figure out what I want to, what else I want to fill my belly with. <laughs> I'm to so, like, are you doing a lot of hiking? Do you worry about being by yourself? But here, everyone separates from whom they came with and sits with people that they don't know to expand community and defeat isolation. Also, at these long table meals, there's one hard rule. No one talks about jobs. Oftentimes in our culture, our, our jobs identify us and define us somewhere along the socioeconomic ladder often. And we want to connect on, a, on more of a heart and soul level. That's executive director of the nonprofit group Longer Tables, Tim Jones. He gave guests a talking prompt. What fulfills you? They ponder the question. I would say probably family and exercise would probably be the two things that fill me. For another, it's her dog. I have this funny thing where when I go to pick her up, I'm like, oh, you remember me. You still love me. For everyone else. All fulfilled by ice cream. That's their answer. Ice cream is everybody else's answer. Jones is a 44-year-old fourth-generation Coloradan. He's a former pastor turned media producer. He's created at least 40 such events in the past eight years, all of them around food. That's the one thing we all have in common, no matter your skin color or where you grew up or what language you speak. You eat or you die. That is a profound place that equalizes us. He started hosting tables after going to one almost a decade ago. He met friends and mentors he's still close to now. Something clicked in me, and I just knew intuitively, like, this is not only what I need, I think this is what other people need. After the main course was dessert, featuring fruit shortcakes with Chantilly frosting. The day before, 40-something Washington, D.C. transplants Roland Williams and Angel Jones Williams made them in their centennial kitchen. Yeah, I'm his assistant. I put all of the sauces together. Like, he cut up everything, except for the blueberries. Like, the peach one has a peach bourbon in it. Angel is a screenwriter and producer who knows Tim through the media biz. That's how she became part of the tables. She's met other media professionals that way, too. It kind of puts you in a situation where you have to talk to people. And um, especially when you're sitting to, next to someone that you don't know. If you sit next to someone and you just eat and don't speak, then something's wrong. Roland is a self-employed caterer who retired from the Army and the Navy. Do you enjoy the um, long tables as much as Angel? Um, I am an introvert. So... No. <laughs> but he got three gigs from it, one of many connections made. Uh, we had a table at City Park in early August, and three women who had never met one another before, all of Southeast Asian descent, all who were orphaned and brought uh, adopted by families in the United States, met one another at the table. 
Another goal is to get people doing their own tables. Jones's nonprofit loans out the tables, the plates, the candles, and everything else. Chris High and her family went to one of Tim's events a few years ago. She loved it and asked to borrow the setup to host an event at her job with two dozen co-workers who'd been working remotely last January. It was great. I mean, we all had to set the table together and then... Um, we went around the table and everybody talked about one thing that they were grateful for. And there's intimacy in, in creating your own table. An intimacy and a gratitude that was in the air at City Park as well. If people come and connect, and over a meal is one of the best ways for people to connect and, and, um, and just really be seen and, and known. Jones has another long table planned for later this year. And he's now applying for a permit with the Denver Parks and Recreation Department to host a mile-long table in City Park about a year from now for 5,280 people. I'm Elaine Tassie, CPR News. Now a cookbook written by someone who doesn't really cook. A listener alerted us to it for our series The Kitchen Shelf about retro Colorado cookbooks. This one comes from 1980, Ranch and Rodeo Recipes. We got a hold of its author, Clay Simons. She's 87. She does not live on a ranch. And as I said, she's not much of a cook. To that first point, though. I have a brother who is in the ranching and rodeo business. Let's see, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and a great-uncle homesteaded a ranch in northeastern Colorado. So the heritage is certainly there. My heritage is a lot more urban because I graduated from CU in 1956 and went to New York for 10 years. I had I was a journalism major. I worked at McCall's Magazine. I worked for a fashion photography. I did a lot of stuff in New York. And none of it had to do with ranching or rodeo. The family ranch is near Stoneham, Colorado, by the way, in Weld County. In any case, being a journalist, Simons was inclined to write, to document. And 40 years ago, she was in need of a project and began assembling recipes from friends and family. The children were very little, and I think I was looking for something to do. And so I thought, well, I'll do a cookbook. Let me see here. We have things like peas and dumplings, old-timers fruitcake. I had this wonderful time naming them, naming the recipes. I had more fun titling the recipes than I did compiling the cookbook. Let's just get clear on something. When you do cook, are you good at it? (laughs) I don't cook anymore. Believe me, I don't cook anymore. I don't know whether I was a good cook or not. You have to ask all the people who suffered through me, my two daughters. My husband died 20 years ago, so he's not around to vouch for it. I can make things. I can do things. I wouldn't call myself a good cook. In any case, we asked Clay Simons to dig deep into her culinary memory and choose a few standout dishes from ranch and rodeo recipes. A starter, an entree, a dessert. Okay, let's talk about mother's favorite salad dressing. Mother's favorite salad dressing truly was mother's favorite salad dressing, and I use it to this day. That much I do. It's a sweet salad dressing. Generally, people are very fond of it. The key ingredient seems to be the two tablespoons of onion juice, Clay. Yes, and then you add sugar to it, see. What is onion juice, and how do you get it? 
not easily. You slice an onion in half and you squeeze it as you would an orange. And believe me, you have to have strong hands. It comes very, very slowly. I just ordinarily buy a yellow onion and slice it in half, and I actually squeeze it like on an orange juice squeezer. Huh. Uh, and so this requires some strength. You, yeah, you, you say, select a large I'm, onion and juice it as one would an orange. Do not use too much pulp. I don't think of onions as having pulp, I guess. Well, they, if you're going to squeeze them, you see, you'll get, it, it's very hard to get the juice, but you'll get pulp. This also has celery seed, dry mustard, a little vinegar oil, as you said, seven-eighths right. cup of sugar, and some salt and paprika. And then once you've dressed your salad, you might move on to an entree, and you've chosen for us Range Riders Ham Loaf. What is it about the word loaf, Clay? It never seems all that becoming, does it? A loaf. <laughs> tell us about this recipe. Um, I can't tell you much about it. I doubt that I have made this recipe in over 40 years. Now, wow. you think I can remember it? <laughs> so a pound of ground smoked ham. Right. You'd a, probably grind it yourself. A pound of ground beef. And then obviously right. cracker crumbs, beaten eggs, milk to keep the whole thing together. Right. You steam this for three hours and it serves yes. six people. All right. Well, we should move on then to the sweetest part of this interview, which is desserts. And what, what did you choose for us? I chose for you Montana Spice Cake because it really is a very nice cake. Now, this I do remember, and I haven't made it for a long time, but let me see how I make it. Um, I see bacon, a grease, and floured square pan. See, that's right. It's very easy to make. It's in a square pan, eight by eight. You frost it and you cut it in squares. It's not overly sweet. It's very tasty. I love the spices in it, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, and then for a little bit of texture, you add chopped pecans. Right, right, exactly. Oh, and I see here that, oh my God, I don't know if I ever caught this, but it has to cook for 30 minutes. I think there was a typo in the recipe that said you cooked it for 10 minutes, which would never have worked. Fortunately, I don't think this cookbook was widely uh, circulated. Otherwise, I'd probably have been sued a long time ago. <laughs> and so how many, it's self-published, how many copies did you wind up printing? Do you remember? I, uh, no, I absolutely don't know, and you should see the one I'm looking at. It is so dirty and covered with dried, what was once dried food. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this thing looks, it is bound in one of those simple plastic binderies, binding things, and it's falling apart. <laughs> you know what I love about it is the main image appears to be a cowboy being bucked off a horse. Right, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Maybe that's you in the kitchen. Could be. <laughs> Clay, thank you so much for talking to us. Okay. Clay Simons of Denver, reluctant cook, better writer, and author of the 1980s Spiral-Bound Ranch and Rodeo Recipes. We spoke in April. See the entries for salad dressing, ham loaf, 
and Montana Spice Cake at cpr.org slash kitchen shelf. That is Colorado Matters for today from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. Thanks for spending time with us.